Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and that that song fits our show tonight because between me and one of my guests, yeah, we just want to have fun. Some of us in a more depraved way than others, but that's okay. I want to say thank you to you, the listening audience, and all of my guests that come on this show and keep coming back on this show. The show's not even two years old yet, ladies and gentlemen, and we have reached 150,000 listeners when you include all the podcasts. Just on the show itself, we're at 116,000 listeners on this show. And with Australia being our biggest listening base, I want to say thank you because y'all have been absolutely amazing in supporting this show. We're heard in over 200 countries. Now, the the show is is not my show. I know y'all are going, what? It's got your name on. Yes, I'm the facilitator. This show belongs to each and every one of you all. 
the listener, the guest, it's y'all show. I just dial the phone in every week and talk to the guest. Y'all are the ones that have kept this show going in the, the weeks that I, I could not be on the show because of my husband, and I want to thank you for that. Now, those of you who say, well, Yvonne, I really want to, I want to come on the show, well, there's two ways to do it. You can either appear as a guest, and I promise I will not feed you to my two guests tonight to show up in their book, Bon Appetit. We will be discussing that again since it was such a hit the first time around. But you can come on the show as a guest, and we can talk about your music, your book, your platform, whatever. You just send me a note and say, Yvonne, I want to be on the show. Send it to offthechainradio at yahoo.com, and I'll tell you how it happens. Or for $10 a month, I'll run your ad. No matter how many shows I have in that month, I'll run your ad for that many shows. And if for some reason I have to reschedule a show, I just roll your ad over to the next month. It's it's. I'm so flexible, and I'm not in it to to make money. I'm in it to support other people in this industry, whether you're an author, a musician, have a platform. I'm in it for you. I want you to be successful. I want you to get exposure that you might not otherwise get. I mean, after all, 200 countries, 150,000 listeners. And, ladies and gentlemen, we are heard not just on iTunes and YouTube and Podcast.com and Podcast Garden and Spreaker and SoundCloud. We are heard on places like FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and soon to be on Spotify. Now, tell me that you can walk away from that with a clear conscience. I would venture to say not so much because you're going to get free exposure all over the world. So just send me your ad to offthechainradio at yahoo.com. Send me a note at offthechainradio at yahoo.com and come on the show. It, it's a lot of fun. The hour goes by so fast. And with that, I want to start the, uh, the night off with two of our corporate sponsors, they were the first two that, that came on board. Cece Chamberlain has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece, which is a motivational, passionate conversation. She interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether you're a professional boxer, author, or history enthusiast. Cece tries to give one hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as she guides you to pursue your dreams and for, t- for you to live your best life possible. This fantastic show is available on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are available. Now, because of this show and because of, of this particular ad, I am happy to be a small part in the success of author Diane Moat's books being number one in Australia. That, yes, they were number one in Australia. And and this is the second in the series. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark, wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there, and she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilanteism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam world as she unknowingly circles his. And while they chase each other, will Sam put those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. So buy Diane Moat's latest book in the Sam Holden series, Dogfight. It is on Kindle. And if you haven't read how it all started, begin the journey with Dog Gone, also on Kindle. So with that, ladies and gentlemen... Tonight's guest has some of the most twisted, marvelous minds out there. I adore them both. They have been on the show before. I have known one of them for working on 11, 12 years now. She is a fellow Southerner, and I love them. They they will just blow your mind. So get your favorite beverage and kick back to listen to, to, to this show tonight. Hydra M. Star and Alder Strauss are joining us again for the second time. Alder is homegrown from Bellingham, Washington, and he loves where he lives. 
He's particularly fond of the Seattle and Portland areas and the surrounding natural beauty. I have lived in the state of Washington. I lived in Tacoma, and he is right. That is one of the most beautiful places on this earth. He has been writing since his early adolescence, drawing much of his focus in the mystery of, hor- of the in the mystery and horror genre, and has various works published in Hydra's Infernal Ink magazine and the Nightmare Engine Horror Fiction magazine under another name, among other things. Now Hydra, on the other hand, goes by Hydra M. Star. If you look her up on the internet. You're going to find her under Hydra M. Star. She began her existence as one half of a set of twin fetuses. She ate her twin in utero. Almost from her birth as an only child, Hydra had an intense interest in all things mysterious and magical. As Hydra aged, her taste matured and darkened darkened from the Disney-esque style fairy stories of childhood to the erotic cars she writes and publishes today. Her work is often inspired by legend and folklore, with violent werewolf sex being one of her favorite things. We know she's completely twisted. So consider, if you've got any triggers out there, ladies and gentlemen, consider you've been warned. Now, in addition to writing, Hydra designs and hand burns a line of pyrography items featuring symbols and signs from various occult and magical traditions. She is also the publisher of Infernal Ink Magazine and the owner of Infernal Ink Books, both of which she uses as platforms to bring the most twisted and sexually depraved horror and dark fiction she can find to the world. Welcome, guys. I am so glad we could hook up tonight. It's It's been a week trying to get you guys here. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, no, I'm great to be here, too. Yeah, it's it's. All right, let's just jump right into it. Um, before we talk about Bon Appetit, which I, before the show I was telling y'all that that particular show on every podcast plus the archives just it just went through the roof. So before we we we're going to tantalize these people because you know I like to do that. I'm, I'm evil that way. I want to talk Hydra about Infernal Ink magazine for a minute because we didn't get to that one. And Alder, are you still putting out Coffin Cuties magazine? Um, no, that's not my um, that's not my project. That um, I did a little bit of editing for. Um, back in the day and I haven't done that for a while that's actually a guy named Mike Hurst uh, and he's been ah. doing that so I, I just had the part in editing um, you know some bios and, and descriptions and articles and stuff in there and I haven't done that for a while though well alright then so much for talking about Coffin Cuties ladies and gentlemen but we're going to jump into Infernal Ink now Hydra tell us about Infernal Ink if you've had you've been publishing that magazine for a while Yes, it, the first issue came out in April 2012. Jeez, is that long ago? Yes, that long ago. <laughs> Feels like forever, doesn't it? <laughs> it what well, seems like yesterday, really, because I know, I know. It, it, it seems like that you've always done it as long as I've known you. You've always done it. So tell the folks, uh, and, and this is how it was through you that I met people like Rick Powell and, of course, Alder, mm-hmm. and some more of the the twisted minds that I've interviewed on this show. So tell the folks about Infernal Inc. and and what goes into it and how they can find it and how depraved it is. Well, it's pretty depraved. Um, the whole thing got started because me and my partner at the time, um, David Lipcomb, were working on a or we were doing a column together for a magazine called Herotica. It was an online magazine. Um, I believe the publisher is trying to bring it back, but it's been defunct for quite a few years. Um, It was published by a gentleman named um, Dave Montoya. So we were working on that, and things were kind of going a little weird there because the editor was – well, he he had cancer, and he he eventually passed away. From from the cancer, but th- things were getting a little weird there with you know the issues not coming out 
really regularly and the work, you know, it, it was just becoming too much for the editor. And we decided we were going to put together something of our, our own um, because at that point in time there really wasn't very many magazines that would accept erotic horror. Uh, you would go read you would go read guidelines for horror and it would always say things like you know no graphic sex and that you know all, all the little things you couldn't do um, you know no necrophilia blah 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 so we decided to put something together where people who wrote that sort of thing and enjoyed reading that sort of thing because we knew several people who who fell into both camps put something together where people like that would have a home. Because um, I had authors who came to me after um, Herodica did finally shut down, saying they had nowhere else to go. They had they had nowhere else to to publish their work um, at that you know at that point. So we put it together. Um, it comes out the first year. It came out twice a year. It is again a twice a year magazine. For a while, it was four times a year. Um, it comes out in print, which we do, which I do through um, Lulu.com because that is the cheapest way for me to get it to the readers. If, if I did it any other way, people would have to be spending ten, fifteen dollars for a copy of the magazine. But if you, but through Lulu, they can get it for just over six dollars. It's actually six dollars and sixty-six cents. Um, you know, plus shipping, and Lulu usually has coupons that cover shipping, so it's a lot. It's just a lot better for the readers who want print, and then it is also on Kindle. And that's kind of the story of how that came to be and where to get it. Now, Alder, the, yeah. I know the burning question in some people's minds is, well, if they read this sort of quote-unquote depraved literature, would it not lend them to behave in such manner? My first thought process is probably not if they're not already prone to being serial killers, mass murderers, or just plain idiots out of their mind, because people read for pleasure. What is your thought on that? I mean, well, obviously, you know, there's going to be a few people that uh, probably would wouldn't mind acting out some things. And of course those people are, are abhorred and, and dis, you know, dissuaded by us, not only uh, via what we're saying now, but also we do um, have advisors and whatnot. And, and, you know, the purpose of the anthology is, as stated, has always been just for entertainment purposes. You know, it's, it's a horror fiction anthology, you know, the big word being fiction. Um, we do, you know, we, I have, uh, and, and we have drawn from real influences as writers all, um, you know, obviously like do. Um, and we, we do have references of uh, historical actions of cannibalism. And of course, you know, in the recipe section, um, you know, real life serial killers and, and criminals, um, you know, uh, thoughts or, or comments on, on the taste of human flesh. But, you know, of course, that is by no means advocating somebody to, to do something illegal you know, and, and do that kind of thing. Of course, you know, we're staying it now and it's, it's also the anthology that, you know, it's to be a, a thing of entertainment and fiction and, and gross yourself out and other people out kind of like a, a Halloween kind of game kind of thing, but it's definitely not to advocate or to support any kind of uh, criminal activities. So, well, let, all right, let me, let me go back to Hydra a minute. When, when, I think of Infernal Ink and I think of Bon Appetit, and yes, that's the name of the book, ladies and gentlemen, which we'll get into more later. And I, I think of of fantasy because it is fantasy. More people than not fantasize about things they would never talk about in quote unquote polite company, as we say in the South. But that that brought up a thought process. The book that was a trilogy that was the the hot topic for so many months when it came out for years actually 50 shades no. now that book <laughs> flew off the shelf you couldn't you couldn't pay somebody to get you a book because they they couldn't mass produce them fast enough but it was nothing but sheer i want to say abuse it was and it is not an accurate depiction of bdsm 
anyone who thinks that book is an accurate depiction of BDSM or a relationship involving BDSM, it is not. Uh, and and that brings me to the point that just because that book flew off the shelves, there were there were movies made from it, and then I guess the last book was Redemption or something, some such nonsense. Mm-hmm. It, that it, normal people, and I use the term loosely, would not want to be in that type of relationship because I've been in that type of relationship. It was not fun. It it was not something mm-hmm. that that I would go back and revisit. But it, it's the same thing with what y'all write. It is total fantasy and creativity. It doesn't mean yeah. that people are act are are acting out these deep, dark, twisted things. It's horror erotic. Well. I mean, a lot of what ends up published in my magazine, like a lot of, uh, you know, more like vanilla porn, like, you know, you go to the the porn sites and watch a little video, a lot of it is very unrealistic. It's physically impossible to do a lot of the stuff that ends up published in the magazine. So it is pure. It is pure fantasy. Like even if even if there is some twisted serial killer rapist out there that wants to try to do something from one of these stories, they wouldn't be able to. It's not physically possible. I like the way you put that. <laughs> now people are gonna go, "What the? Heck? I gotta go see that." <laughs> Sounds like a challenge to me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Boy, she just threw the gauntlet down, Alder. <laughs> Yeah, she tends to do that. Yeah, she, <laughs> it's my I way. Like that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my uh, that's the I heart Hydra moment when she does that. Just, ladies and gentlemen, trust us. If, when Hydra says it's physically impossible, it is physically impossible to do what they write about, and and it's all. Hmm. It's it's all fantasy. It's all creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, exactly. Alda, let me ask you this: I have written horror. I don't write erotic. Mm-hmm. That's not my stick. But but I know how difficult it is just to write horror. But when you add erotica on top of horror, that would make my brain smoke. Ah. Uh. Yeah, no, I mean, that's hard for me to do it, too. Um, you know, I mainly, I like a lot of paranormal kind of, like, I guess a Hitchcock kind of, uh, um, you know, approach to horror. Um, you know, some things I like to do that are fairly gory, but very rare. But, you know, I have a couple of stories I've included uh, in in Hydra's, uh, you know, in Furlink magazine. And, you know, she was the one who's like, well, you know, that, that's nice that they kiss each other on a cheek, but that's not the erotic I'm looking for. So I had to, like, turn it up a notch. I had to turn up to 11, actually, for that one. And then she, um, and then I got past the editor's notes, and, and I've written a couple stories um, for, for Link. And, they, yeah, the, 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 you know, some of that was, you know, you could probably do at home without being relatively injured, but the after effects of that, you know, kind of bled a little bit into one appetite and, and one story. And the other one was just a terrible thing to do while driving. So, you know, it's it's still not recommended for home uh, use or to put into practice. So, <laughs> well, and, and it's it's interesting that this. The type of stuff that it, that y'all write now that that Hydra puts in Infernal Ink is stuff that used to be underground. Is that a true mm-hmm. statement, Hydra? It wasn't talked about. Before. Very, very, very much. Like I said um, before, there was few, very, very, very few publishers that would touch it back when I started um, Infernal Ink. And now, you know, I've got competition, which that's fine. But. <laughs> There was very few back in the day that would um, even even consider it. Like if you what sent them something that what, um, a lot of it boiled down to wanting to market themselves to as large an audience as they possibly could. And if you have erotic horror, if it's if it's erotica, you can't 
there's a lot of places that won't let you buy ad space, uh, like Facebook and even Amazon won't let you buy ads through them if it's erotica. And you can't you can't hit that sweet spot of fourteen horror fans. Or you know, the, the the young the teenagers that are getting into horror. You can't market your magazine to them or your anthology or whatever to them if you're including adult material. Well I'm on to, that's so I, th- I think that's what a lot I've got my, my daughter's turning um, 17 Tuesday. She could probably school me on a few things. Because um, that's just, Lilith I mean, that's just already, eight. Wait, wait, wait. Back up that train. Lilith is already turning 17. Lilith turned 17 Tuesday. So, yeah. Um, she was I'm just sure. a wee one when you and I met. Yeah, she actually asked me a couple of weeks ago. Did I think um, she should try to write something? And I said, well, if you want to write something, write it. And she goes, well, I'd want to write erotic horror like you do. And I said, well, now she ain't read not, like she ain't read nothing I've published because I just I, I I've never exposed her to any of it. And I'm like, are you sure you even know what it is? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what it is. She's Let got an internet it. connection. Let her I mean, she, quit happen. So it's like you know, protect, protecting these kids. It's like you know, you protect them because I protect mine. There, there's a lot of things I don't allow her to be exposed to. But even when you're protecting the kids, it's like they still, they still get on okay. the internet and stuff, and they, they find it. They find Although it. I can't believe that Lilith is turning 17. When, when I first, <laughs> when I first met Hydra, she was just a wee child. Two toddler, yeah. Yeah, wow, just no, a babe. I'm flies. Yeah, I forget sometimes how long you guys have known each other. I'm just like the spring hen here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was just a little, little baby. I don't even think she was in school yet. No, I don't That's think awesome. so. Yeah. Uh, because, well, you, oh, you my. Know, let, the, let, let your daughter fly, Hydra. I mean, she wants to yeah. have you want horror erotic. You know, you know, you have somebody you know I mean, I've, 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 ink after you're done. You know? you know, I've always kind of sheltered her a bit. Like I don't, I don't expose yeah. her to things. But I've never been, I've never been one of those parents that's like, oh no, you can't listen to this music, or oh no, you can't right. watch this movie. Like I mean, you know, right. it's like if she wanted to watch something R-rated when she was, you know, twelve, thirteen. That was fine. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. okay. Like, well, kind of like all your friends are doing it, you know. Well, I, and I, you there's only so mystery. much I can protect you. Well, that yeah. and you take the mystery away from it. So then if you take the yeah. taboo-ness away from it, it's not that much fun anymore. Mm. No, it's not. Like, I'm like, you know, listen to whatever, watch whatever, you know, within reason. I mean, you know, I'm not buying her a subscription to a porn site or anything. Oh, come but, you on, know, I mean, Hydra. within reason. I mean, you know, yeah, within on, reason, Hydra, it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, right? Yeah, I'll <laughs> you know, she's being approved. She's just really being approved now. Yeah, I'm just sticking them up. But, you know, it's like, whatever. I mean, you know, it's like if you, there's a movie in, the, in theater she wants to see or on Netflix. Like, I, you know, because when you sign up for Netflix, you get to choose if you want to restrict your child's account. I never did. It's like if it's on Netflix, it's not going to be that bad. So go ahead no. and watch it. <laughs> well, I'm going to run three ads, and then we're going to talk about Bon Appetit because, like I said at the top of the hour, that – first show we did when y'all launched the book on the show the the show blew up the podcast blew up and i want those that missed it the first time around alder i want you to explain the the research that you did and then i want both of y'all to talk about how this book came about so ladies and gentlemen stay with us because we are going to discuss a book for the ages do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman. A true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or 
Visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books the And I Saw It series, and The Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. (laughs) (laughs) You're so silly. you silly. Remember that? That's funny. (laughs) Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. Former Boston PD Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist Jill Seacrest, have decided to move to the Big Apple to accept positions with the New York branch of the FBI. Rookie agent Shania Deeprose completes the trinity as they collide head-on with raging and rampant social, political, and economic unrest amid a string of murders that seem unrelated and may be serial, copycat, thrill, or hate-driven as they struggle to understand the mind and thought process of the orchestrators, killers, and victims, the team begins to wonder who's who. The line between black and white, superior and subordinate, right and wrong, and good and evil disappears as they are forced to reevaluate their own thoughts, feelings, and philosophies. Ultimately, every character must come to their own conclusions to these questions. Is justice ever more important than the law? Is playing God justifiable if it's for the greater good of all? Come along for the ride to see if Agent Carter will decide to stick to being a hunter or become judge, jury, and executioner instead. Find the answers to these questions when you read the new book, The Killing Collective. The Killing Collective is a character-driven story with big characters with depth. They're soul-searching in addition to the biggest case of the agent's careers. The Killing Collective, available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback editions. Order your copy today. And we are back with Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guests are Hydra M. Starr and Alder Strauss. They are the creators of a wonderful, wonderful little torrid book called Bon Appetit. Now, for those of you who understand French, Bon Appetit means good appetite. And if, if one is seriously hungry and enjoys good food, you might not want this one because it it's good appetite but in a strange and twisted way as their minds are. And and we launched this book several months ago. It's an anthology and it goes something like this. In Bouillon de Bibi, a family's twisted tradition of self-sacrifice contains the power to bring their loved ones back from the brink. In Secret Ingredient, another story in this anthology, revenge is a dish best served with apple pie. And in Naotamori, and I probably massacred that one, a young, attractive sushi model responds to be the display at an event that turns out to be more than a little fishy. And, and we all scream, your friendly ice cream man delivers not one, but two scoops of terror. Editors Alder Strauss and Hydra M. Stars serve to you, the reader, the tantalizing talents of 18 manifestations of mouth-watering macabre, paired with rousing recipes and succulent supplementaries, including history, film, and more. Okay, now, for those who don't know the origin of Bon Appetit Alder, let's talk about it, because you're the one that did most of the research on the the, the meat of the matter, so to speak. So tell us how this came about. You know, it's really weird. I, I'm trying to remember exactly um, how the idea came in my head. I mean, I just kind of have weird ideas popping in my head. 
and some of them stick as, as good stories or projects and, and others just kind of fall by the wayside. And, and this one was, of course, obviously the one that stuck. And, you know, I, it was uh, over a year ago, I'd say, uh, where I, uh, you know, approached Hydra because we'd, we'd worked on other stuff together and I knew she was good and dependable. And, you know, we had a good collaboration uh, technique built between us. And, you know, I asked her, you know, hey, I'm like, I'd like to do this. What do you think about helping me out by doing a Campbell-themed uh, anthology? But, you know, at that point, for some reason, it, it was an erotic cannibal anthology. So that, was, that would have been a bit different. It, you know, and there are some erotic elements in, in, you know, the anthology, but nothing like, you know, a combination of, of eating and fucking at the same time, which would probably have been the, the former. So, um, you know, and she, she was very busy with other stuff. And, um, you know, and, and uh, with how busy my life was, I forgot all about it. And then one day she messaged me saying, hey, uh, you still want to do that Campbell anthology? And I'm like, I'm like oh, oh, yeah, of course. You know, like I thought about it and kept it in my head the whole time, right? Of course, you know, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And, and then it just kind of, um, it just took off. You know, she... She was the one that really, since she had, a, she has a lot more connections in in the, in the horror fiction, in you know the writing area that I do. She was the one that really got a lot of people tempted to you know to to contribute. We got about eighty um, stories and, and things, and you know so she got that going, and I kind of came uh, you know about with this is kind of how I want to look, you know the aesthetics, um, and then all of course all of the. Um, Supplementaries that you you listed off, you know uh, that, that there was a few things I wanted to be a recipe book and uh, an, uh, horror anthology writing you know uh, fiction thing. But the more we worked on it, the you know like I said, ideas kind of come into my head, and then I decided to uh, add a lot more stuff that was too cumbersome, but was a really good you know uh, accent to it, um, like uh, the history of it, uh, the film. Uh, cannibal jokes and of course there's a, a cannibal crime game where you have to go and look in a book around you know go look and follow the clues um you know just you know some so there's a lot of fun stuff that's in there it's not just read the book and put it down i want it to have something that people can keep going back to and, and you know and, and that's what i would say essentially the history of it so hydra how hard was it now i know some of the writers that Mm-hmm. contributed to this book how hard was it to get the right mix of stories and to get the the writers to step up to the standard that you two wanted to portray it was surprisingly easy um i put out the call for submissions and you know and we set a deadline and by the end of the deadline we had 72 submissions wow. to choose from. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was surprisingly mm-hmm. easy to get. I mean, I would say ha- half of those were hard no's. It just, they, they didn't fit. They didn't really follow the guidelines. Because, uh, you know, you, you've been writing long enough to know that some writers are not so great at reading guidelines <laughs> and following them. So about half of them were kind of hard nosed, but um, of the rest, we you know we had a lot of good stories to choose from, and some of the ones we didn't choose ended up um, in my magazine because they just they had elements that just were not right for the anthology. Because one thing we had decided early on was we weren't going to allow a lot of supernatural elements in. Uh, so that that was kind of where a lot of writers just didn't quite make it who were good. Um, you know, they had they had ghouls or spirits or whatever else in their story that just were not was not what we were looking for. But mm-hmm. it was it was surprisingly easy and I think we, we came up with a very nice, you know, blend because we have a nice mixture of, you know, the the story where the cannibalism is, is aimed towards saving a child, then you have stories where the cannibalism is eating a child. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we, 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 have some, we have some stories that definitely um, 
oppose each other in their in their um, views and their aims. So that that mm-hmm. was nice, and it was like I said, it was surprisingly that part was surprisingly easy. The rest was kind of a little more difficult, but uh, <laughs> getting the authors getting the authors together was actually okay. <laughs> So, Alder, yeah. when you started this journey and started the research on cannibalism, were you surprised at the different cultures that still imbibe in that tradition? Uh, you know, it's it, it's always really interesting in, in, in the discovery, you know, and I wrote the... Uh, wrote the history, you know, of course it came before the stories, and, you know, I wanted the readers to kind of go through um, the, the, you know, the book from, you know, page one to page whatever, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how you would read a book anyway, but so the, the history, um, you know, when I was reading and researching it and writing it, you know, I really wanted the truth to come out, you know, I, I didn't want it to be something that really, you know, played to the, the fiction and, and, you know, the negative stereotypes regarding cannibalism that, you know, like that's glorified through Hannibal Lecter and stuff, you know. So um, I wanted to look at the root of the cultures, where the word cannibalism came from, you know, what a majority of, of tribal people who've engaged in cannibalism or practiced it, you know, what, why they did it, you know, why they did it from, from their cultural perspective. You know, and a lot of what's written in there, what I've discovered is a lot of it's um, ritualistic to, to help immortalize uh, the found number. And it's not a lot of like hunting down other tribes and killing them and eating them and, and being, you know, grotesquely savage about it. You know, there, there are some historical events where, um, you know, they, uh, certain tribes have been known to uh, occasionally eat the, uh, their slain enemies. Um, but even that can be seen as ritualistic. It's not just some person who's deranged um, going out there and killing and eating just for the sake of killing and eating. There's always been a, a greater, um, you know, a, a greater field, uh, a greater, you know, history to it. Um, you know, and, and that's also, you know, that's, that's before a lot of that contemporary uh, serial killer, like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and, and other people like that, you know, that I wouldn't say that that's, um, an accurate um, historical practice of cannibalism. That's more of a uh, mental illness uh, resulting in cannibalism kind of thing, an anomaly, if you will, especially in, in this society where it's, it's obviously very rare. So. so would it be safe to say that the, the tribal cannibalism and, and the little bit that I've studied it is – Let's go back to what you said about eating the flesh of their enemies. That was done with respect. It was done because they wanted the strength of their enemies, and and they felt like that that they could get it by by becoming one with them, and that was the best way to do it. Would that be a fair statement? Um, you know, I um, the documentation on that that I found is so brief. Um. I, I think that could be some of it. I don't want to misquote it. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of it um, could also just be uh, part of, of a ritual, or some of it could have been an issue of maybe starvation. Also, yeah. So it, it's hard it, it to also, really. It also depends back. on the tribe. It, it depends yeah. on the tribe because I know some things I've read. It was very, you know, we're honoring, you know, our enemy or whatever. But a lot yeah. of it was a form of degradation. Like uh-huh. we're we're turning you into food. We're we're debasing you to the point of animals. Uh, so it really it really depends on the tribe and the tradition. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and the word cannibal comes from a mispronunciation of uh, the word. I believe. Hopefully, I don't mispronounce it, but it comes from an. Uh, I guess you could say a misappropriation of the word carib. And a carib is uh, the name of a South Pacific tribe who have been known to have engaged in cannibalism. I think both for ritual and uh, consuming the enemies, and of course, you know, uh, Westerners or people that were foreign to that culture, um, you know, they took that name, and that's where we get the name cannibalism from, or cannibal from. So, you know, it's kind of a you know derogatory. Uh, the name itself can is seen historically as a derogatory, uh, uh, you know, uh, mispronunciation, probably deliberately of uh, of that tribe that was known to eat 
uh, other people, you know, so. That is one one tradition, society, whatever you want to call it, that has intrigued me simply because it is it is such a foreign thing to us who are quote-unquote civilized. But then you go to the airplane crash in the mountains mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it was survival. Right. And and people yeah, and wanted to denigrate the, the the survivors because that's that was their food source. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's the the Andes, um, the the Uruguayan Air Force Flight Five uh, Seventy One, uh, where you know a rugby team uh, crashed, you know, and. You know they had to, um, and of course that's it in like uh, the history part of it too. And you know that has influenced the movie Alive and other things. But you know they they were in the Andes for seventy some days, and you know they had to resort to eating their their loved ones, the, you know the dead ones. Of course they didn't kill anyone. There's no count of them killing another person because of lack of food. You know they they went and, and killed the deceased, you know, or ate the deceased. You know um, after of course looking for any effort to, to try to find food in the plane or everywhere and find that not even the leather in, in, in the seats and whatnot was edible because uh, how saturated it was with, uh, with toxic or, you know, with different kinds of treatments and stuff. But, you know, that was, that was, yeah, purely survival. That was just like uh, with the Donner party and other instances where they're in a very remote area and, and to survive, they have to do uh, things and, and to, to eat your loved ones and, and friends and family members is just just an unspeakable situation that is you know it's just you can't even imagine it unless you're there. So it, it, it's definitely yeah. There, there's that way. even yeah. I mean, it's a pretty common. I mean, survival cannibalism has been fairly common in history. I mean, it even it's been proven it took place in Jamestown. So in yeah. a way, yeah. America's kind of founded on. The sad part, we think we are too civilized to be able to stoop to such immoral acts. Well, let's put it in perspective. That is just a shell. It's, it's not even a person anymore. That, that yeah. person is not in that shell. Right. And if it comes to a matter of starvation or eating, our natural instincts to survive would take over. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And you know, we can't really be, we can't say, "Oh, I, I, I would never, ever, ever do that." I mean, unless you're actually put into that situation where there is no other choice. You know, he's like, "Well, are you okay with dying?" As opposed to uh, to say, for lack of a better word, eating a corpse. You know, so it's something that survival instinct is strong. Yes, it is very strong, (laughs) and we do things as humans that we would mild-mannered people become maniacal and homicidal when when Mm -hmm. put into a situation that that is the only way out. You do things you you would not ordinarily do when you were put into a situation where survival is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the old adage of only the strong will survive is is very very predominant in that type of situation cuz and you have to be strong to survive and then you have to be strong to be able to to go that next step in order to survive. Yeah. Right, no and I think there's a this movie recently that um, talks about the influence on um, uh, Moby Dick by Herman Melville and how he got the influence for some of his, uh, you know, for that story from real life events. Um, what it's called In the Heart of the Sea about um, a ship that was destroyed by the by this great whale off the coast of Africa and they were they were um, asunder there adrift for so long that you know they they either they either dead you know. Uh, uh, shipmates. Yeah. So you know, there, there's, there's which that that had more to do. History. Yeah, that had more to do with needing the blood for um to drink. 
to uh-huh. not be dehydrated okay. than actual cannibalism at first. I mean, it ended up being cannibalism, but at first it had as much to do with needing to drink the blood for, um, <clears throat> you know, to be- to not um, die yeah. from dehydration. Which is another See, interesting ladies, concept. This is why we call this show off the chain, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because not only do we entertain, but we educate. And mm-hmm. when we are willing to open our minds to things that that are so are so far, I can't talk are so foreign to our um, sensibilities that sometimes it hurts mm-hmm. our ears to hear someone discuss this. But it, it throughout history, since the beginning of time, this has taken place. And y'all just took yeah. it one step further and had fun with it. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and that's what we mean by it. It's just fun and fiction. And the history, the actual history of cannibalism, is, you know, pre-stroke killer kind of stuff, is quite a bit different than, than what we portray in there. But, of course, you know, you should know both sides of the story. I agree. Oh, horror is about taking horror is about taking things that make people uncomfortable exactly. and making it a bit fun. That that Hydra, that is very well put because when when one can can take another person out of their comfort zone and and put them in a horror setting and they go, but I would never do that, or mm-hmm. that scares the shit out of me, then they have. Right. They have done their job as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yep. I totally I agree. agree. I agree. So in Bon Appetit, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, you not only get 18 wonderful stories from 18 wonderful authors, Rick Powell being one of them, I believe. Is he not in that book, Hydra? Yes, he is. He is. Yeah. All right. There's, there's Rick is. Powell. Let's see if I can pull it up. Where's the Where are the pictures of the people? There they are. Okay, there's Rick Powell, who I have interviewed several times, who is a a wonderful, wonderful author. There's Victor H. Rodriguez. He's going to be in um, Infernal Ink soon. I just got the contract signed with him for the fall winter issue. Sweet. So and he's going to be in the magazine. Zimmerman. See, yeah, Justin Zimmerman. Great guy. Yeah. Um. J.N. Cameron, Sebastian Bendix, Nico Lee, and Hydra. Did you put a story in there too, Hydra? Yes, yes, I have a story in there. Now, this is one of the the reviews that I just it just popped up. It's called. It's, this was this this year, March of this year. Um, delicious. This horror anthology lovingly compiles sources from literature and historical facts from the Plasticone era through the First Crusade to the recent serial slayings of Jeffrey Dahmer to provide an encyclopedic background for 18 meaty, blood-soaked fictional stories from the most fearless writers in the business. Three of this anthology's most significant contributions are the inclusion of Diner's Club by Sebastian Bendix, Turkey Day by Florence Ann Marlowe, and a rather tender subject by Dax Bordas. In addition to the historical background and comprehensive list, list of cannibal movie supplements, editors Alder Stoss and Hydra M. Star have designed a literary game where the reader can use deductive reasoning to catch a cannibal killer like a homicide detective. Bon Appetit, Stories and Recipes for Human Consumption, is a virtual tour of one of the most hideous, forbidden, and fetishized acts a human can commit. All you need to do to get experienced is open the cover and start reading. And then another, um, back in um, November of last year, James Wentz said, Page Turner, from beginning to end, a book Stephen King and Alfred Hitchcock would be proud of. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not yet gotten Bon Appetit, go and get it. I highly recommend it. And y'all are not going to believe this, but our hour is almost up. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much to talk about. So much to talk about. <laughs> we did, and we didn't cover half of it. How'd you tell the folks where you can be found? Um, just 
hydramstar.com, and they can locate me on all the social media sites from links from my website or just look for Hydra M Star wherever. Now, if if a un, someone that you've never um, put under contract before, if they want to publish a book mm-hmm. or if they want to get into your magazine, can they contact you, contact you through your website or Facebook? Yes, yes. There are pages on my website for the books and for um, Infernal Ink Magazine. Um, the guidelines for the magazine are totally there. At the moment, books are kind of by invite only. I'm kind of working my way through submissions from past magazine contributors and things like that. I'm I'm, I'm working towards opening that up for submissions, but right now I just I've got a lot from past magazine contributors. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, more on that later. Alder, where can you mm. be found, my friend? <clears throat> Well, since we've talked last, I have a Facebook page where I um, have updates and different things concerning this anthology, um, as well as other things that I'm doing, various writing music projects and some of that uh, when I get the uh, with time to. And you can it's uh, facebook.com uh, you know, forward slash Alder Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S-S, Expressions. And that's all one word, all the sales expressions, and uh, that's where it's the best place you can go to for any updates concerning projects I'm doing. And see, ladies and gentlemen, y'all never know when you listen to this show, A, what you're going to hear, and B, who's going to be on here. And and I can promise you this is not going to be the last time these two are on here because I can talk to these two about anything just about. They they are absolutely wonderful guests, and they're entertaining, they're informative, they're educational, and who knows what will pop up next. We may talk extreme erotica next time. Who knows, right, guys? I'll definitely I'll definitely be back, and I may bring other other friends along with me. Uh, I'll bring the popcorn and the shame. <laughs> <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen. Off the chain is is not known for its um, Alder. What's the word I'm looking for? Its bashfulness. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's bashfulness. It's uh, I don't know, man. I, I should have the perfect word for this. Um, <laughs> it's I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Bashfulness, um, apprehension. Um, you know. We're not afraid Hesitancy. to go. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're not afraid to go across the line either. We have done that a time nope. or two. <laughs> nope, nope. What are they going to do? Not we, are not, we, are, we are not reserved um, Southern Bells for sure. There you go. See, Hydra knows me so well because both of us are from the South, and we're not your typical Southern Belle. We're strong women, no. but we're, when we say bless yeah. your heart, the bodies will never be found. <laughs> it is not a term I love you too already Oh yeah. you guys <laughs> See we're wonderful You got me so ladies, You guys got me <laughs> Y'all don't hang up when the show goes dark I want to thank you both okay. for, for coming on On such short notice on a Saturday night sure. And I know Alder you're working like a madman And thank you my dear for rushing home I appreciate yeah. it so much I know I, I almost caused like three accidents Just to go home and talk to you So you know <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you came on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just you know kidding. what? It was almost two. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, next week we will have um, a show Wednesday through Saturday night. It will be a week of musicians and songwriters, indie, indie musicians and songwriters. And you know, at the end of every show, I say this people will forget your name, they will forget what you look like, they will forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. That is. One thing that I want to do on this show is make every guest and every listener understand they are the most important person in the room. And if you leave this show understanding that you are the most important person in the room, then there's nothing on this earth that you cannot do and, and succeed at. It you, you just carry it with you. You wear it like a coat. Because each one of you are very, very special. And when you look in the mirror, don't say, I feel special. Say I am special, and and Hydra Alder and I will all three tell you 
do not go out and ask permission to achieve greatness. Just go out and do it because nobody's going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I want to thank again my guest, Hydra M. Star, and all of And thank all of you for listening. Join us on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time when we start up a new week. Until then, we say good night. Okay, um, we're off the air, but of course, okay. all this will go up in archives. So when, when again, when the show goes dark, we get off from here. I'll send you guys the link, and I want y'all mm-hmm. to just spread it all over the place. And then tomorrow, I'll put it up on on all the podcasts. And then as soon as it okay. hits iHeartRadio, it it goes up on iHeartRadio on two podcasts. It goes up on Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason, and it goes up on Off the Chain. I will send y'all both of those links. As well, okay. and as soon as it gets up on Spotify, I'll let y'all know because I'm in a queue to get on Spotify. Um, what what uh, Spreaker did is they contracted with Spotify, so it's me and 50 million other podcasters that they're putting up. Okay, oh, wow. cool. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's it's all y'all's fault. It's 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 y'all's fault because y'all are just magnificent guests. <laughs> Uh, I've been so blamed for a lot. I'll I'll take the blame for that. Okay. So um, <laughs> get get your y'all get your ducks in a row. Alder, get some stuff published. Get, mm-hmm. get oh your, yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, I just I I'm waiting on contracts right now. Is my deal. Like I just. Well, do I we need to put a foot up their ass or send monkeys or or? Um, no. Like one of them, she just got her contract, and the other two. They got a lot of rewrites they got to consider and look at, and I think they're trying to figure out their rewrite situation before signing the contract. But no, it's not quite time to send out the flying monkeys just yet. But um, I just I got to get some contracts back and get some stuff edited. Um, Absolutely, and Alder's got to get some more yeah. stuff published. We don't want him fading well, off into oblivion. I have uh, yeah, I have three things I'm. I have one novella that I it's a horror novella and it's it just needs to be rewritten a bit. It's all there. It just needs to be kind of tweaked a bit so we can definitely talk about that in the future. Um, I'm writing a nonfiction uh, historical um, uh, book about Satanism. Ooh! Um, and Ooh. that is Can't wait to from do that a, show. That is from a social political point of view. So it expands kind of how the name came about up to social issues uh, regarding uh, different groups in emergence with uh, the new technological social networking age. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also working on a very politically incorrect um, and very kind of surreal, weird um, nonfiction that's not horror. It's, it's about a man whose, whose relationship is slipping through his fingers with his wife and he's trying to get shit back together to where they used to be because he suffered a horrible accident and things have just been going downhill since then. And so he's trying to get his life back on track, but every time he tries to do something, it makes it worse. And it, it's it's a really heartbreaking but really interesting uh, thing I'm working on with that one. Oh, and I can't wait. So can't... That's what, those are my writing projects. Those so. will be so much fun to talk about. Right, and, and as Satanism one, I've collected so much information from so many places and talked to so many people. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's you have really, no idea. You have no idea the horrible corners of the web he's been to with that. <laughs> That'll yeah. be fun to, to bring out into the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, as his friend, all... I sit back and worry about him on that one. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I have some pretty sound stuff that I've been writing on that. Um, and that one, I want to get that done within a year. Um, that one is really, really interesting. And it recently, yeah, especially from a social political point of view, because Satan, I don't think, has really been addressed outside scholars from a social political point of view throughout its history in the Hebrew Bible on forward. So, you know, there's one scholar that talks about it, but. I really want to weave it into Satanism as a religion and how that's come about through that. Get it so done and we'll launch I, it on yeah. the show. Yeah, no, that'd be a fun discussion. 
That might that that definitely be like maybe more than an hour because there's so much information there. It's ridiculous. (laughs) We can work on that. So with that, guys, I'm going to say good night. I have to go check on my husband. As y'all know, he's been Mm -hmm. very very ill, and I hope he gets better. Yeah. All all the best to him. Thank you, honey. He's failing. His his heart is failing. So we just take one day at a time. He's 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 at that age. I know. Yeah, he is. Oh wow. but just keep him in your mm. in your thoughts and good vibes that we get a few more days yeah. anyway. We'll I'll do. take whatever I get. And and I love you guys so much. Thank you so so much for you coming too. on. You're today. great. Thank you. Love yeah. you too. It was so much fun. Take care. Let me know if you need yeah. anything or whatever. I may need yeah. a shoulder one day, Hydra. Emotion, emotional support and whatever yep. you need. I will need it. I'm telling you, I will need it. I love you guys, and as soon as you get that done, Alder, let me know. Hydra, when you're ready to come back on, when you get those contracts okay. and those writers, we'll we'll set them up and set gotta you get, up. Got to get my ducks. Got to get all my ducks swimming in the same direction. But oh, good. Lord. Like, well, herd those cats. <laughs> I know, herd those cats. I'm <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. okay. Love you. Care. Bye. Love you, too. Good night, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Hydra.